Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcasts with Key and Pierre. This is our fifth episode. Woo, turn up. <laughs> we are really excited about sharing this journey with you guys, and we do appreciate you tuning in every week. It means a lot. Pierre, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm doing great. I had like an awesome weekend. Um, I'm doing this personal development program, and we did like a super intensive 12, 12 hour day and it was awesome. I've had like some great experiences there, did some networking with some people and overall I'm feeling great. Okay, good. I'm glad your energy is up. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm a little under the weather, so please, I just want to apologize beforehand. I may be coughing throughout the podcast. Um, I got sick over the weekend, but I'm slowly trying to get back, um, get back right. Don't worry. After this, I'll make you like a green juice. I'll Thanks. fix you right up. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Let's get into it. <clears throat> so I'm not sure if anyone is aware or probably is aware. There is a video circulating with teens fighting. And um, this kind of became recent within the past week or so on social media. And basically, there are two teens. Two black teens are about to fight. And someone walked up. His name is Abi Ali Miller. He's 26 years old from Atlantic City. He was basically running an errand for his mom and noticed these teens in the street. Then he walked up to them and realized they were about to fight and he intervened. In the midst of him intervening, he was pointing out to the young men, them like, look at your friends. You know, they're cowards because they're laughing at you and they're recording the incident and just making them understand the context of what's going on. You're about to fight. It's about to be recorded. It's going to be on social media. And then what? And what does that solve? Um, and as a result, the two young boys did not fight. At the end of it, they actually end up shaking hands. And then Ali ended up doing a follow-up. He did a press conference because it, it was getting a lot of like exposure in the media. People was like circulating this video. And he actually did a press conference, and he was really emotional. He had his mother by his side. And I just thought it was very powerful because he said that growing up, um, when he was on punishment he would oftentimes, as a punishment, he would have to go read books. And I just thought that's very important because, you know, you don't you don't hear that on the regular, like, all the time. Like, in terms of you being on punishment, you have to go read books. But he did say how that shaped him to who he is, and he really paid homage to his mother. And then he brought the teens out saying that it's not about him, it's about them. And I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very, very powerful um, clip both of them from the time he intervened and when he did the press conference and I just think that we need more of that we need to have um, young men and women young adults you know getting involved not solely in our communities but you know preventing teens from partaking in these activities that could have some like serious consequences on their lives just right off the bat I'm like actually super jealous why like I wish my mom and my dad made me read books <laughs> <laughs> Like when I when I was being bad when I was younger, so I'm definitely West Indian, Haitian to the bone, and we used to get those beatings left and right. But made me the man I am today, the awesome guy, doing this awesome podcast with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, all jokes aside, like I think that's pretty dope. He, first of all, most people, and I could speak for myself as well. Most people who are seeing kids on the street fighting will either just walk away and just ignore it, like, whatever, like, just don't touch me, let me, I got places to go, or pull out their phones and start recording in this new, like, social media age, so, 
definitely shout out to him. That was definitely like a very noble thing to do and just a, just a great robot. I'm, I'm actually really happy that he got some notoriety for it and they held the press conference. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was it's fascinating and I'm glad that you mentioned that. Like, I think also we got to keep in mind, like, you know, I'm an 80s baby as and you are too, but like, I feel like back in the day, like when you fought, win or lose, you was able to see another day. Nowadays, these kids fighting, somebody dying. Like, in some of these instances, you know, I'm not sure if that would have been the consequence out of this um, fight if it had actually happened, but who knows? And I just feel like, you know, I really do not want to see these young teens partake in their fights because of that same exact reason. First of all, you shouldn't be fighting anyway. That's the reality. But it does happen, um, and it is common. And if it does happen, I always question, like, what is going to be happening, like, what's going to be the end result? And if somebody end up losing a life and somebody end up doing time, it's like, was it worth it? Was this one incident worth your life changing dramatically? And I think within today's day and age with social media, it encourages that. Definitely. You know, people recording, they got world star, they got on YouTube. It's like, it's not even like, I was like, this is entertainment now? Like, Oh my God. I'm not going to name any names, but I definitely have a friend. Every Anytime I go to his apartment... He's putting on world well, we star fights. We already know it's a, it's a he, so continue. Yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? Why? Like, why are we watching this? Like, he could literally sit there for 10, 15 minutes, just literally going through different fights. And I think with social media and like world star YouTube, I I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that there's been this much fighting going on, a lot of violence? Or is it with the new age of social media, mobile phone, just being able to record thing anywhere that like these fights are just coming to light more or the social media and the recording actually promotes it and people are like getting egged on because people are recording and they know they have a crowd and they know people are watching and you know the moment you hear somebody scream, world star, there's a good chance you're going to be online. So you're like fighting for your life. I think it's both. I don't think it's like there are more fights that exist now than it did years ago. I think it's pretty consistent. Um, maybe some years it's probably a little bit more than others, but I don't really think it's that there are more fights. I think now, like what you said, it's more prevalent in the sense that they're being recorded. And I feel like the recording has encouraged people to partake in fights. Maybe there wasn't a fight that wasn't going to happen. It was an argument. But now that somebody recorded it, it's going to have a chance to be on World Star or YouTube. Now it's like, all right, we're about to fight. Because now I could probably become somebody off of this clip like I could probably want to come up if that's really people's concept of looking at it um I definitely do believe that within day today's day and age people are more quick to pick out their phones and record than they are to split up a fight so that's another situation as well and that I could kind of understand not always intervening because there's sometimes you intervene into a fight and you may end up dying or getting hurt as a result so, in some aspects, I could understand. I really do commend Ali Miller. I think he did a phenomenal job. And shout out to him. Much respect to him. Um, you know what I'm saying? And I really do, I really do commend him to stop and split up these two young men. Other people want to have done it. And, you know, it's unfortunate where we're at with social media and people wanting attention and the extremes they're willing to go to get that attention. And with these young boys that were about to fight in this clip, I just... Hope that they understand how powerful that moment is and hopefully they can reflect on it because yeah. if they was to fight it got recorded end up becoming something crazy and somebody lost a life and they went to jail their whole life would have been shifted like i said earlier 
But now that that has not happened, they did not partake in that fight. They actually can walk away from the situation like men, like real men and say, listen, it is what it is and shake hands. Um, I really hope that a couple years from now they could look back at this incident and be like, you know what? Now that we know, sorry, they could look back at this incident and realize that that has evolved um, their mindset and how they look at fighting and violence and stuff of that nature. Mm, I love that you said that. I, I love that word, mindset. Like your mind, everything in your life comes from your mindset, and I think people don't really, don't really think about it or really realize how powerful it is. But I, there's like this saying I like: you're right whether you think you could do it or if you think you can't. So whatever our thoughts are saying, that's what's going to create our reality. And if they had a mindset shift from that, that's awesome, and I'm so happy about that. My favorite part of the video though was. After they decided not to fight, he wouldn't let them walk away unless <laughs> unless they shook hands. And I he he also paid homage to them at the press conference. He was like, "Yeah, they decided to shake hands." Lie. We seen the video. He was like, <laughs> it basically seemed like he was about to fight them if they didn't shake hands. But listen, the but that's the encouragement they needed apparently, and it worked exactly. And the means justifies the end. So they they got to it. They shook hands and. It was a happy story instead of a, a bad one. So that's pretty awesome. Um, so now we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about the NFL. And um, we're going to speak more specifically about Kaepernick being blacklisted from um, the NFL. There has been speculations that he's blackballed because in part of him kneeling last season throughout a lot of the games, I guess every game practically, so yeah, I, it's really sad that he's being blackballed for taking a stand for something. And the worst part about it, in my opinion, is the fact that he was taking for a stand for a s- social injustice, and he's being vilified for it. <sighs> yeah. So did some research on just what's going on, and just to give you guys some numbers. Last year, Kaepernick started 11 games. He completed 196 passes out of 331 for 2,241 yards, 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, and he added 69 runs for 468 yards and 2 touchdowns. And just to put that into like put that into a reference point, his team was 2 and 14. And their leading wide receiver on the team, Jeremy Curley, he caught 64 passes for 667 yards and three touchdowns. Basically, the team sucked. Didn't, <laughs> yeah. Damn, the, after all of them numbers. Yeah. That, so, yeah, after all those numbers, the, the point I was trying to get to is the team sucked. They didn't have a lot of talent, but his numbers weren't that bad. Plus, he hit, his team went to the championship four years ago. And he was more than a serviceable quarterback, so... And it was because of him why they made it to the championship, right? Overall, they had a great a great team that year, great coaching staff, and everyone fit into the system. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I actually... I, I'm a big proponent on. Different players have different talents, and it's about being able to find a system that works for you. Mm-hmm. Like, 
just as a, a little off the tangent for one second, but like with Carmelo Anthony, I'm a Knicks fan from New Shout York. Shout out to the Knicks. Yeah, so. Same here. A lot of people hate Carmelo Anthony. It's like they want him off the Knicks saying he's not a good player. But me personally, I think he's an offensive player. He scores and he gets rebounds. So it's about putting the right players around him so that he can have success. You can't expect him to be a LeBron James or a Chris Paul or whoever. You have to realize what your personnel is and then put them in a position to maximize their success. I think that's just a sign of a great leadership. And No, but also with the mellow point, too, because I'm a Knicks fan as well. And I do I like mellow as a player. Um, I think it doesn't matter how much time they switch up a team. They always blame it on him. But when you look at the points, he's actually pulling in more points than half of the players on the team. So, like, at the end of the day, it's like... I get people's, like, standpoint and opinions on the matter, but you cannot knock his hustle and say he's not a good player. He is a great player. So I just wanted to tie that into your point. Mm -hmm. So. uh, Back to football. (laughs) Yeah, back to football. So Richard Sherman on the Seahawks, the cornerback, he's usually in the media. Very vocal. Exactly. Very vocal. Shout out to him, too. Yeah, really smart guy, very vocal. So he had this to say about the league blackballing Kaepernick. It's difficult to see because he's played at such a high level and you see guys, quarterbacks, who have never played at a high level being signed by teams. So it's difficult to understand. Obviously, he's going to be in a backup role at this point, but you see quarterbacks. There was a year Matt Schwab had a pretty rough year and got signed the next year, so it has nothing to do with football. You can see that. They signed guys who've had off years before. And, yeah, that I think he said it great. He he didn't have the best year, but he's more than a serviceable quarterback. And even if he's even if people can argue he's not a starting quarterback, he definitely can be a backup quarterback for any team. But you know what? I I always like to play devil's advocate. So unfortunately, at the end of the day, the NFL is a business, and they're in business for profits. And I can see why an owner could say to themselves, hey, this guy, he's he's serviceable, he's a good player, but I don't think he's good enough to the point where I'm willing to take the chance on him, depending on the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the blowback from the fans, the media, and actually Donald Trump as well, the president. The president of the United States has beef with Kaepernick. So there's definitely some concern, which I can understand from these owners, about just not wanting to take that risk. Like, if if he was that great of a player, maybe they would do it. But I just I can see how some people might see the the risk is not as good as the reward, and they're not just willing to take that chance. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Mike Freeman from the National NFL – um, lead, he's a lead writer for the Bleacher Report. He did touch upon some of the points you mentioned. You know, one of his points was, <clears throat> um, can Kaepernick still play at a high level? Because the problem is, um, they're not sure if he's still as good as he was at one point. But primarily due to the controversy around him taking a uh, kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance, some you know teams may not want that kind of exposure. Are you know to be out there and people may look at them a certain type of way because they took him on because he decided to nail which is very harmless but for some people for others they were very passionate about what he was doing and they were opposed to it um and then also with the whole 
President Trump commentary in regards to if he's going to tweet something and then that's going to start another uproar. But my thing is, um, just to tie it back, because you kind of touch upon the points that he mentioned. And he even said, like, when he went to the combine, like, a couple weeks ago, one of the, um, I believe one of the coaches said that he was an embarrassment to football. And my, I guess my concern is, when did he become an embarrassment? You know what I'm saying? Did he, did he become an embarrassment because, did he become an embarrassment because he, he took a nail door in the Pledge of Allegiance? And if that's the case, who did he embarrass? Because he was doing it, he had all the rights to do it, and, um... There were people that were opposed to it and felt outraged that were outraged by him doing that just by him taking a nail. But then there was other people that felt like he was actually, he was doing it for the culture. He was doing it for the community. It was like finally an athlete, which is, you know, far and few between, finally there's an athlete that is willing to take a stand and stand for something. And ever since he's done that, he's been doing a lot of progressive work within the community and been very active. He's been like a selfless person. So I always question like when they talk about an embarrassment, it's like, to who and when and at what point. Now, if your point is he can't play, okay. But if you're taking, if you're, if other players who are less talented than him are getting signed on teams, then I'm like, is it really about his talent then? Because if you're taking people who are not talented or less talented than him, what you trying to say? But if you're saying that he's an embarrassment, if that's what you want to go with, you know, that's fine. But when you have certain plays, and we're going to get into that a little further, that partake in domestic violent relationships, I mean domestic violent cases, which is not ran the NFL, we've seen those cases, rape, um, you know, if they have a DUI or anything along those lines, they have a serious drug or drinking problem, are they not an embarrassment? Because if that's not an embarrassment, then what he's doing should be light. Because I don't even understand how... You can call what he's doing an embarrassment and saying how it's going to cause attention to the team. But all these other players that are doing all of these, you know, heinous acts or crazy situations or partaking crazy situations, they are bringing exposure to the team that y'all don't need as an organization. So that really bothers me in terms of is it really that he's not talented or is it really because he took a stand and he actually stood for something and he's not a typical player where it's like he's basically a slave to the organization. He's not going to be quiet about inequalities. So yeah. I just want the NFL to make a clarification. What is it exactly and how many people's on the board? How many people's on the same page? If it's an embarrassment, when did it become an embarrassment? At what point? And where are those coaches at to, va- to validate that? If it's he can't play, where are those coaches to validate that? And if you, as a coach, is going to say that he's not good enough, he's not talented, let's look at your roster and who you have on your team. And let's compare their talent to Kaepernick. And if that can't happen, then we really have to revisit this conversation and deconstruct what the problem is. Well, again, play devil's advocate. So are you saying that the owners have to give him the shot to play if they don't agree with what his actions were? Because at the end of the day, it is still a business and it's it's what they it's what they want to do. Like, you get what I'm saying? I get that it's a business. I completely get that. I understand it's an organization and what the NFL prides themselves on. But if you are going to make, if you're going to make a stand for something, if they're really going to say that he is an embarrassment, like I said, or, you know, it's exposure to a team that they don't need, why does it only apply to him? 
Why does it only apply to him? What other things have Kaepernick done aside from taking a nail? I haven't heard him being in any um, domestic violence or sexual assault, drug cases or anything of that sort. But there's other players who have been. So my problem is, you know, and if you, you want to get more like into it, you know, my problem is how is it that certain people are allowed to be on a team and are allowed to get a contract, but then others are not treated the same way? I think it pretty much just goes back to, listen, if you have talent, we'll take you back and we'll accept you for anything. Like, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people saw the OJ 30 for 30, which was amazing, but no one could believe that OJ Simpson actually had committed those murders, and I think it was just because of his greatness in sports. And I feel like when it comes to sports especially in our country, like, a sports star is huge. That's, like, everything. And you get a lot of passes for things. You get... You basically put on a pedestal. And I think, in this case, if Kaepernick was, like, had the status of a LeBron James, I could see this not going the same way. Because the team's not gonna not sign LeBron James if he was kneeling and he got let go for whatever reason. So... I think at the end of the day, it goes back to just talent. And if the talent is good enough, is it worth it? Like, for example, there, there's been players, unfortunately, <laughs> who, who were on trial for murder and being accomplices to murder, like a Ray Lewis. Speak on it. <laughs> Ray Lewis. And honestly, I think that's insane. He, he did get acquitted, but... The fact that he had involvement in it in any way or form, he still was able to come back. And, yeah, it just... It, it sucks, and I don't even know what to say or to do about it because it's like, at the end of the day, how are you going to tell someone, this is your team, you pay these people, who are you to say, you don't like his actions, you don't think they're... I guess some people are saying un-American. Who are we to tell them this is how you run your business? So I, it's just like a real. I don't know. I don't. I don't see it that way because, like, if that's the case, then I don't see it that way. And I and I kind of feel like it's BS. I'm gonna keep it hundred with you. I've you know how I like to be honest. Um, I don't necessarily think oh it's because it's an organization they want to run their business. That's how they can run it. That's not fair. Because if you have people that are acquitted on trial for murder, and mm-hmm. you have people partaking in certain activities that you know the NFL does not need that kind of like media attention, yeah. especially in that negative component, you need to do that across the board. Don't just do it for one player and then another player gets a slide. Now, even the Saints, they're considering Johnny Menzel, and allegedly he hit his girlfriend, and he's rehab for drug abuse, and he parties a lot. So that's the person you're considering for a position on your, on your team. But Ka- Kaepernick only took a nail. And that's, like, the most horrific thing he could have done. Like, I don't... I get what you're saying. Like, it's an organization and that's how they want to run it. But to me, it kind of goes back to the whole mentality of, like, you know... And it's it's always been that conversation piece around black athletes partaking in basketball, football, any kind of sport. You're a slave to it. Because when you speak out about inequalities that affect your community directly, it is a problem. It's like, we're, they are meant to be silent... They're supposed to strap up their uniform, their sneakers, and go out there, play the game to the best of their abilities. 
and go back home and keep their mouth shut. You could go back home and beat your wife. That's okay. Damn. You could go back home and rape your woman. That's okay. You could go back home and partake in a murder. That's okay. Even though you got acquitted, it's cool. I don't understand how that, because of what he did, he's being penalized for it. If that's in fact happening, because it's speculation, like we said, but as we can see, a lot of people have been coming out and speaking out about it, not just us. But if that's in fact true, you're going to like not sign him because of that incident, but then all these other players are doing some crazy outlandish things, and it's like, it's okay. And like you know I like to always bring it back to the youth. Mm-hmm. What do we say to the younger generation? Yeah. Don't take a stand when you get into the sports arena because you need to make the money to feed your family, and some of y'all came out the hood, so this is your come up. I get it. Right? So you don't take a stand against equality. You keep your mouth shut, and you play the game. But you can rape a woman, violate her whole body, and you have a job. You could beat a woman to death and you'll still have a job. Right? That's what we're telling people. But you cannot have dog fight, apparently. Because <laughs> that's against the law. And as we can see how that turned out, Mike Victor did, did about two years. But we can't put the rest of these dudes in jail. And we can't hold them properly responsible for stuff. Like, to me, it makes me question, if that's if that's how the NFL is going to operate their organization, okay, cool. My question to them is, what is the moral compass? At what point do you say, okay, that is unacceptable, and we have to put rules and regulations in place that applies to all players? If you really want to say, we don't want to have them on because we don't need that kind of media attention, all right. Hey, like you said, you run an organization, it's your business. I respect that. If that's what you really want to go on, then go ahead. That needs to apply to every other player in the organization. You hit a woman. You look at her the wrong way and make her feel violated. You off the team. Set those examples and put them in stone, and I bet you they start acting accordingly. Mm. I love that you said that because I feel like a lot of times people just like talk about the problems but never actually really come up with real ideas and solutions and just what's the... How are we going to move forward from this? It's it's good to just discuss what the issues are, but moving forward is, I think, is the most important thing, actually putting something into place. And that is, hearing you just say that, that's just scary. Like I can't even imagine the NFL where if you got a DUI or if you got caught doing drugs or any domestic violence case that you be mind, out of the league. And keep in mind, it's not drug one time. I mean, it's not like drug one time. There's some of these players who are doing it consistently. Like having addiction and have a problem. And it's partying. And doing all kinds of reckless activities. I just want to tie that into your point. Continue. Yeah, yeah but um, will you be watching football this season? I mean, listen. I'm not really a football head. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Um, Me either. You know, clearly, you seem like you are. I love basketball. I love basketball. Like, I'm a diehard basketball fan. Um, But I do really respect um, Kaepernick and what he stood for. And if he does get signed onto a team, I would support him. And one thing I loved about what he did, and I just want to shout him out because we really do appreciate you. He did it for the culture. I appreciate you and everything you have done, whether you get signed or not. It meant something to me. It, It was so good seeing females rocking his jersey. Mm. I seen chicks on social media. I seen a woman in my church wearing his jersey. That's what's up. Like, you don't... That was never the case. Maybe if you go to a party and it's like some, like, you know, theme. But it's like really rocking his jersey or taking pictures of it and showing support. And it meant something to me what he did. And I really commend him for that. And I 
and I really appreciate what he he did, and I honor him because to me he's made a change within our communities, and I love that he's active with the the youth, and he's really he did a um in terms of him being involved and letting them know what their rights are. I think that's very important, and I really wish we had more athletes like that. I understand why they don't speak out to certain act to certain extent. Even Melo came out last year and was being vocal about what was going on police brutality, but. It's not fair that it's only a handful that's really willing to take a stand, sacrifice their money and their reputation, and the rest of y'all are just playing whatever sports you want to play, still getting the money, and say one minute you care, but you really don't because you haven't really addressed it on your platform. And just to tie it into what you were saying, I'm not a football fan, but I support Kaepernick. So whatever team he get on, I'll support it and I'll watch it. Mm. You know what's crazy? I love the fact that he just did something so simple. It was so simple. And it got all this attention. Like, I think that's really powerful. All he did was just take a knee. And he wasn't at a press conference getting ratchet, just being angry. He's just like, listen, I can't support this because I don't I don't feel right now at this moment in time that this country is representing what I think it should be in terms of equality for all. And so because of that, I'm going to step back and just take this knee. And I'm not mad at you guys for standing and, and it caused the up, an uproar. But he, And you know what's crazy, too? Two things. His press conference, he always talked about what was going on in terms of police brutality and inequalities. He was not even addressing what was going on in the game. That was his routine. Like some, he asked them. He'll tell the reporters. I think there was one, one of the clips I seen, where he was like, "Ask me about what's going on in the community. I'm not gonna address the game," which I think is very important and it's valid to kind of get his opinion on it. But also too, he did one of the best, most peaceful protests I've seen, and it was so much outrage. Facts. Like, Martin Luther King would have been proud. <laughs> he would have been proud. <laughs> At the end of the day, all of we're doing right now is speculating. It's been a few weeks of the free agent season and signings, and he hasn't been signed now. Apparently, there hasn't been calls back to him. But I think this is something that needs to get readdressed and re-looked at once the season starts because the offseason is quite some time, and you know who knows? A team might make a call to him. He may get signed. But if the season starts, he's not on a team, and then you're seeing other quarterbacks who got a job and he clearly is better than them, then this conversation can can continue. But I think at the end of the day, there's still time. So I'm hoping for the best. I hope some team, I hope he can add value to some team and they can see that and then they're willing to take a chance on him, bring him on. And I think we, it'll be reckless to not, to actually not mention the fact that He's actually decided to stand for the national anthem when they're singing the Star Spangled Banner. He's going to stand this season. Yeah, moving forward, he said he's going to start standing. Yeah, he said that there's other ways to actually go about making a difference to to the social injustices that he's seeing. And I actually applaud him for that because he did his protest, his uh, peaceful movement, and he got attention. And it definitely brought that conversation into the mainstream media and... He's he sees that it can really affect his job, and at the end of the day, he does have family, has people he has to take care of, and he's like, I'm he's taking a step back from that, and but he's also still doing his philanthropy work and just being an advocate out there. So, 
Shout out to him I, for I that. I feel like he's probably no longer doing it because he already accomplished his, his mission and probably superseded or is working in the process of superseding it. Like, he made a statement. So whether he continues or not, he did it. It was done um, all last season. So he has made a statement. Um, I think in that component, he did his protest the way he wanted to do it. And now he's doing a lot of work within a community, which is important, equally important, if not more. Um, so I think that at some point, it had it, he kind of did, he played his part. It had expiration to it. But it's not like the work that he plans to do is like done. He actually plans on being more involved and in getting, you know, being more a part of the community, which I think is really important. And like all of his philanthropic work that he's doing now. And I think that's something that we should definitely keep in mind. But like you said, it is speculation, but hopefully he gets picked up by a team. But he strikes me as a kind of dude that's like, whether I get picked up or not, I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to be an individual. He's going to be who he is, which is our motto. Be who you are. Facts. So, um... I think at the end of the day, him being a part of a team or not doesn't define him and his manhood, which I think is important. And I give him much, like, respect, and I really support him no matter what he ends up doing. Yeah. I have a question, though. Are we the media? What do you think about that? We have a podcast. We just talk about what's important to us, just some interesting topics to us. But the reason I'm asking that is because I feel like at the end of the day... When it comes to the media, a lot of it is just negative information. It's highlighting sad stories and suffering, shootings, killings, whatever the case may be. Just a lot of negative stories. And I'm like, he's doing a lot of positive work as well. But it just seems like the media only really portrays the negative stuff. I just wish our media actually had more positive, positive things and shared people doing great things because at the end of the day if you're always just seeing like going back to the mindset thing you're yeah. always just seeing negativity just talking about the worst in people that th- the bad things showing the fights like that stuff everything we see here we absorb that all is going to affect who we are and, and gets internalized exactly but, like, I, but I feel like what he's doing taking a nail and um, the work that he's doing in a community it's not negative him taking a nail may be negative for some people, but for others pertaining to the black community, it is not offensive. It is not negative. It's something that we actually we are proud of in some aspects, um, some people more than others. So I feel like the stuff that he's doing, and I've been seeing through the media, like the works that he's doing, and I'm really proud of him for that. I don't necessarily perceive it as being negative, but I do get your point. Like The media tends to portray, particularly people of color, in a very negative light. And um, it makes you wonder, like, is that all we stand for when there's so many positive things that we're doing and that does not get highlighted the same? But I really do. I have come across articles and read the work that he's doing. So I don't think anything he's done thus far is negative, in my opinion. And there are some like media outlets that are really willing to go out there and do the journalist work and portray what he's doing in a positive light. And I, you know, I really commend those who are actually doing that. But um, I get what you're saying, and it's really sad, and it's always have been consistent within the media to portray um, certain people within a negative light, and that's something that they need to continue to work on. And I think I thank God for our podcast because we highlight in both sides. Facts. You know what? It's I I since we're talking about sports, I watched the Thirty for Thirty by about O.J. Simpson. Yeah. And they basically said that was like when the shift really happened in the media. I found that really interesting. Like, people were just hooked. Like That's when it became a 24-hour news cycle. Right. It started from... I found that out, too. I did not know that. Yeah. I was... I didn't get to see it, but I heard about it. 
And I was mentioned in a clip, like, that's when a 24-hour news cycle started. And I was like, wow, it uprooted from this one incident. Yeah. And look how it's transformed now. Yeah. But imagine a world where you go on the news and all you're seeing is, like, super positive, amazing things. Like, people starting charities, people saving people's lives. Like, that would be great. Like, I feel like that would help the consciousness of the planet and just make things awesome you said I'm, the consciousness of the planet yeah i'm like a super optimistic <laughs> person so that that's like i think you're right about everything. that but also to to highlight this one point before we transition to our next topic um i do think that it'll be great to live in a utopia world where the media highlights us in a very positive way constantly but i do feel like to play devil's advocate someone will have or a group of people will have a problem like but we need to know what's going on if someone got shot killed or raped and you need to be talking about those stories so we know what neighborhoods to go into or not go into or what areas to be in. I feel like I could hear people like complaining that we need to kind of have a balance. Right. But overall, I think we just need to have a balance. I want to be informed about the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, I would appreciate it more if there's an equal, um, if there's a really good balance between, you know, if you have 50% of what's going on in the communities and it's being bad or whatever the case may be or throughout the world, but also an equal 50% chance of finding out the positive things that are going on in those same negative communities that they portray it as. So it could create a balance where it's like, okay, someone maybe was shot within this neighborhood last week, but this week they're actually doing a charity event that's really big and important for the community and they're doing fundraisers and giving it back to the youth. Like, that's something where I'm like, okay, there's an equal balance. I don't see a lot of that. So, um, but I do, I appreciate you mentioning that because that's a very valid point. And that's why we're here, because we kind of give you the best of both worlds. Exactly. And as we grow, we might just start our own news network. All right, relax. <laughs> you can <laughs> one day at a time. My news network would be awesome. Goals. Rainbows and sunshine all the time. All right, yeah, that would be it. <laughs> um, so we're going to switch gears now and um, make it a little light. Um, and now we're going to really speak specifically in terms of life coaches and the purpose, the meaning, and the importance of having a life coach. Shout out to Tony Robbins. He's amazing. I love him. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the Tony Robbins Netflix special um, highlighting one of his, I believe, five-day event, definitely check it out. It's awesome. My roommate and I watched it, and he didn't really know much about Tony Robbins afterwards, and he was like, this dude is a rock star. He's, like, amazing. That's well, good. Um, in terms of the life coaches, I feel prior to... I feel like there was stigmas around life coaches, primarily that, well, for me, I felt like there was a point in my life where I knew what I wanted to do, so I thought life coaches were the people who were meant for people who did not know exactly what they wanted to do. They were lost, and um, I think sometimes they're attributed to those kinds of people where it's like, you're lost, you're confused, you don't know what you want to do. And then there are people who know what they want to do in their lifetime, but you still need a life coach. You need you still need guidance and support. You need someone to hold you accountable. And your friends and families could do old but so much in a partner that you may have in your life. But I feel like a life coach, they give kind of more of an objective standpoint as to where you are and allow you to have room to kind of figure out yourself and, you know, pan out your goals and actually try to meet them. Um, I'm going to get a little personal. Speak on I, it. <laughs> I have a life coach, and I'm really grateful for her. She's wonderful, and she's been helping me a lot trying to figure out myself, like, not figure out myself per se. I always have a strong stance as to who I am as a woman, but in terms of me trying to figure out my next phase in life and the things that I want to work towards, whether it's career, whether it's personal growth, and self-care for me has been one of my biggest challenges, but... 
I loved it because I'm starting to realize certain changes I'm making in my life and the way I go about handling negative situations. I'm not as like quick to jump to something. There's times I have my moments. I'm not perfect, but one of the main things I really enjoy with my life coach is that I constantly journal write, get my thoughts out, which is very important. Um, I think uh, uh, some of us may not journal write as much. And I used to never really like to journal write because I felt like I don't really have anything important to say. And then I'll write something, a sentence, and a sentence turned into a page, a page turned into two pages. I was like, wow, I had a lot on my mind. I didn't give myself enough time to kind of unpack those things that I had in my mind and write it out, which is important. And to see it on paper, I was like, okay. And it's also good to see it on paper because then I could reflect on it and read it over. And also meditation, which I think is important. Still working on the yoga. But also, the self-care for me has been a really big component of where I'm at. And I want to really do better with it and incorporate it in my daily life all the time. So it gives me a great balance. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I'm glad that you can you were able to openly share that and just the positive effects that your coach has on your life. I actually have a life coach as well. Oh, yeah? Shout-outs to Josh. He's a rock star. <laughs> and Shout-out to Janine. <laughs> Oh, J's, double J. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But yeah, um, I think before I like talk about my experience with my coach, I just think it's crazy that there's so much stigma and negativity around a coach because when you look at sports stars and athletes like a LeBron James or Steph Curry, these guys have multiple coaches on their teams and they have coaches that they have strength training coaches nutritional coaches they have coaches to help them on their ball skills like the the people that we really look up to in our society which are athletes they're a really big part of our life like these people they understand the importance of having a coach you can have all the potential in the world and have all the talent but you, you really can't do anything alone like in a vacuum having that person who holds you accountable and who has that knowledge to actually help you and to help you get to that next level is pretty much invaluable. And I think that everybody should have a coach, whether you're just a mom or dad or professional, whatever the case may be. I think having someone, like you said, who holds you accountable, who's there to support you, who's there objectively, not emotionally, that's amazing. Especially a lot of times your friends, your girlfriend, parent like that emotion around that relationship can cloud like how they feel and their opinions about things but when you're able to take that emotion out of it and have someone who's just truly there to support you and the things you're trying to accomplish with your life what goals you're trying to complete like that's such a powerful and amazing thing and so for me personally, you shared, so I feel like I'm going to go a little bit well into, like, my whole life has been pretty much, from day one, basically about helping people. Anything that I found that actually helped my life and gave me positive results, I always wanted to share it. Like when we were talking in, in one of the earlier episodes about uh, when I found out it's hard to get a job after college, especially in the climate that we were in when I graduated. And I realized how important the internships were. The moment I found that out, all of my friends who were in school, I'm like, do you have any internships? You need to get on the internship, check these websites. Here, I have um, these temp agencies that hire and do hiring for internships as well. And yeah, I just think 
you got to share what you can just to help people get get to places in life that you've already gotten to like basically the opposite of crabs in a barrel i'm not trying to pull people down i'm always trying trying to to, exactly i'm always trying to climb that ladder and then bring my friends family people i care about with me and bring them up and it's like you're not trying to be the only one at the finish line exactly because it's actually going to be lonely if i get to to all the amazing things i want to do with my life and the people that i care about the most aren't having successes in their life I want to share in that with them and that tends to create a friction in the in the relationship whether it's family or friends if you're doing well and you're excelling at a certain point and some people are not and if you have the ability to help them it's great but the fact that there are some people who have the ability but don't want to because they like to be the only one yeah that could create a lot of tension and conflict because it's like wow you're there and I'm not and I I truly admire you for that because I'm the same way too and like giving back to people um, you know, you're in a position in your life where you're trying to do better and make sure people around you are doing the same. Yeah. So I think that's important. Yeah. And so in this, like, I guess, pursuit of happiness, because I think that's what's most important in life. Go ahead, action, Will Smith. I, yeah. I love Will Smith. Don't even get me started. Um, yeah. In that pursuit of happiness, I just feel like you, if you can wake up every single day and do what you love to do and what you're good at and get paid for it you you like that's the secret sauce right there (laughs) and actually i had i was on a flight coming back from london with my best friend mel and we literally were just having a long conversation about where we want to go in our life what we want to accomplish and he really kind of opened my awareness to the fact that i've been helping people and like being a stand for people in their lives and their greatness and whatever they're trying to accomplish for as long as I can remember and he was like yo why don't you just be a life coach you're listening to all these motivational speakers all the time you love Tony Robbins like he's like you can you can actually support people help people and help them use all the keys that you've learned and gotten in your life and just and actually get paid for it I'm like holy crap that sounds amazing like I never even that seriously you think I could do that like I was cheesing I was getting mad emotional but yeah whatever. so you're on that path now you're working towards being a life coach so I actually am a life coach now I have Congratulations. my yeah I I've recently just decided that I love the what I do now at my nine to five but just helping people and supporting people has just always been something I enjoy and I've actually I'm actually taking the steps to start building that business and just start being able to support people and just I think it's awesome when you're there for people and you get to experience the successes that they've had in their life and you actually got to be a part of that helping them set goals help them be accountable hold hold them accountable and just actually seeing the things that they want come to fruition like nothing's more fulfilling or rewarding but and especially again the getting them out of like a, if they're in a depressed state or in a place where they're not comfortable with that in their life or with themselves and kind of helping them through that that other people around them couldn't do like you know you I feel like in, in light of that you realize your purpose on earth because you just transform and change someone's life that probably wouldn't have been changed if you weren't a part of it definitely and before I actually started taking real steps to starting my life coaching business I was reaching out to different coaches to basically try to I guess figure out how to get clients because I had that feeling of like who are you to tell someone that if you can work with them and 
they'll pay you and you'll help them accomplish their goals and get what they want out of their life. And so I, that, I was constantly struggling with that. And when I actually had my first conversation with Josh, my coach, I really got present to the fact that it's kind of disingenuous for me to say that I can actually work with somebody and help them be the best version of themselves or help them accomplish those goals if I don't have my own coach. And after I got off the conversation with him, like without any pressure for him, I was like, damn, I went in there just trying to get tips on how to get clients with realizing I need my own coach because I know I've gotten far in my life and I've accomplished things, but there's always more that you can do. And having someone hold you accountable, having someone to support you and giving me the keys because you definitely gave me the keys. Major key alert. It's an awesome (laughs) feeling. And I, I remember the first time we had our first call as an actual coach to client. I wasn't looking forward to it. I was kind of skeptical about what it was going to be like. And after I got off the phone call, I was just like on fire. I was like, holy crap, like that was awesome. I went through and just like had a super productive day. I was following up with him on like declarations that I made about goals I wanted to get done for that day. And it just felt really good. So, yes. And just to also end off of that note, like the fact that we're both in positions of I think that's very important. And for those out there who want to seek a life coach, definitely try it and look into it. Um, And allow yourself to grow and evolve. And primarily why I wanted to work on myself was like, I didn't want to wait until I was in my mid-30s to make changes because that's kind of like when you kind of have a crisis in a sense. Um, For some people, I was like, I want to start now. There are flaws I see myself that I want to change. And I'm still learning. I make mistakes every day. But I think it's, it's important for me to recognize the mistakes I make and not to make it a pattern and for me to recognize to be gentle with myself like allow myself to have flaws and mistakes but learn from it and also be gentle with myself in terms of trying to become better don't do everything in one day so um, I really commend you Pierre on having a life coach and also looking at actually becoming a life coach that's big and you're going to make a difference in someone like if not more if not one person several people and that's a big deal so I just I thank you for that thank you so yeah guys this is the end of the episode and once again thank you so much for tuning in you could be anywhere doing anything right now but you're here with us and that literally means the world to us so definitely follow us on instagram it's underscore unapologetically underscore different you can also reach out to us at twitter and the username is unapologetic two underscores d and you can also email us at uh, email us at unapologeticallydifferent at gmail.com. Stay tuned. We're going to have some awesome content and just keep trying to bring you guys the best product that we can. And we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye.